Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Rap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual on Fridays, whenever it's not a public holiday, by Jeff Howie, strategic market analyst from the SGX and finance presenter JP Ong. It has been a really, really interesting week on the SGX, on the SDI in the region. Now, it's interesting that the SDI pretty much started most of this week, uh, shall we say, slowly, but then, you know, kind of sort of gained a little bit momentum and got back into the green. Today, we are in the green right now, up 0.46% to 3,156 points. What's happening in the region? That's JP's job. <laughs> well, let's start off, of course, with the SDI. We also have to acknowledge that compared to the rest of the region this week, you might also argue that the SDI has been the most consistent and maybe dependable index. And that's because we've seen more days where it's actually mounted gains. In fact, when I point to Tuesday's session, when the SDI was in the red for the most part and did stage a late afternoon rally. So you're seeing a little bit of a fight back and a bit of a spunk, at least, from investors here as compared to the rest of the region. As you mentioned today, Clarissa, 14 and a half points higher, 3,156, 652 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. So compared to other days, once again, um, value turnover, appetite's a little bit more subdued, but maybe it's because we're near the weekend. Maybe folks just want to get to get to Saturday now perhaps uh, 280 stocks reads and trusts that are currently swimming in the green um, that is outnumbering the 150 losers today so despite that slightly more subdued trading activity at least more stocks are looking optimistic than others and then we have also um, a fairly good day for the rest of the region as well the Nikkei 225 today has risen by about 1.6 percent and J- Japan did report that uh, that cons- core consumer prices did slip by 0.1 percent but apparently the rate at which the Inflation has hit Japan, which has really been what's worried Japanese uh, economy watchers in Japan for the most part. Well, it has also started to show signs of slowing down, and maybe we might actually uh, see less deflationary pressures and thus also more consumer demand out in Japan starting to pick up, which is good news. The Nikkei 225 up by about 1.5%. We have the ASX 200 returning to winning ways once again today, trading about half a percent in the green out in Sydney. Um, a uh, A bit of support, at least for commodity prices for the most part. But a lot of that also related to that blockage in the Suez Canal, which a lot of folks have been tracking over the last couple of days. Some might view it with some hilarity. Some might view it with concern because guess what? This could also impact um, commodities from oil to even the price of your coffee if it actually stays uh, blocked. But nevertheless, you know, these high commodity prices might be also just giving some support to the ASX 200. The cost be today rising by about 1% in South Korea. The Thai-X in Taipei also rebounding with a 1.6% intraday gain in Taiwan. And it's also a very strong day out in mainland China. The Shanghai Composite is trading about 1.4% higher. The Shenzhen Board is jumping 2.3% um, into the green. And the Hang Seng also trading about 1.3% higher. We have noted that since the start of the year of the AUX, mainland Chinese stocks and stocks in Hong Kong have actually taken on considerable losses because of valuation concerns and also on fears of tightening liquidity out there. But it seems that after entering correction territory for the CSI 300 and the Hang Seng, some traders actually in Hong Kong and in Shanghai believe that maybe, just maybe, things might be a little bit oversold and you are seeing a bit of a bounce back after mainland Chinese investors start to question that. Of course, a lot of this uh, positivity also coming from well, from from the West, there are uh, there are there is the belief that the vaccine rollouts will continue. In fact, we did hear that U.S. President Joe Biden said he's doubling down on on his goals. He wants to roll out two hundred, distribute or administer two hundred million doses 
of, of uh, COVID-19 vaccines within the first 100 days of his presidency. There are also signs that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, that the rollout, at least, of vaccines in Europe might actually continue. Of course, we still have that third wave of infections that, that's worrying markets, but perhaps people are ascertaining that maybe we are a little bit used to this at the moment. Um, we are seeing the 10-year yields have also ticked up a little bit after a recent, uh, an, a, a recent auction of seven-year notes in the U.S. was fairly lackluster. But again, despite the fact that you've seen uh, 10-year, 10-year yields tick up a bit, maybe markets are starting to get used to Treasury yields at around this particular level, and you're not seeing a huge sell-off at the moment. So that's what's happening in the markets here in the, across the world. But we have to also acknowledge that in Singapore, over the last couple of days, a select group of stocks have actually been gaining a lot of ground. Bloomberg calls these, uh, a term these the reopening stocks, and there is no better way of actually calling them that. As we know, by next month, we are going to see looser social restrictions. More folks will be allowed to go to the workplace. In fact, limited uh, gatherings, at least, and, con- and conferences will resume by the end of April, and that's lifting REITs, uh, the REITs like Suntech and Keppel REIT in today's session, and also some of the hospitality sh- stocks and also some of the transportation stocks in, uh, uh, so far today. So the end of this week, you're seeing a specific flavor, at least helping give the STI and the SGX overall a boost, and that is hopes that the reopening will give some much will alleviate some much needed pressure on some of these beleaguered stocks. Jeff, the SDI, the SGX, actually, as JP said, did pretty well all of this week. And with today's announcement from the Economic Development Board about our manufacturing output, that should give um, everyone a boost. But we're not necessarily seeing it today. Uh, well, we're seeing it this quarter. We've seen it already this quarter. Uh, Clarissa, I mean, industrial production number was strong. It was expected to be strong. I think it's up 16.4% mm-hmm. year on year. Um, but as I said, it was estimated to be around 16%. Importantly, too, there is that sequential recovery. It was up 1.6% uh, from the January levels. So uh, there was a consensus estimates it would actually come off a little bit on a sequential basis, but it was actually up a little bit. Uh, pharmaceuticals were up, um, obviously, the, the electronics, and importantly, petrochemicals because the general general manufacturing, petrochemicals, F&B manufacturing and so forth, we want to see that uh, K-shape that we saw last year dissipate somewhat, which uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into those sub-indices to work that one out. But for the meantime, look, yeah, the SDI, it really has held its ground this week. It, it's up uh, seven-tenths of a percent. Um, and you compare it to CSI 300, I think that's up two-tenths of a percent. Hang Seng's down almost 3%. Nikkei's down 2%. And globally across the world, many of the big sectors are also off a bit. I think consumer goods is, 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 is still down, even though uh, ultimately a little bit defensive, down three-tenths of a percent. But then you've got your big financials and your industrials globally down around 1%, as is real estate stocks. So we, we have seen, I guess, the bank stocks really hold their ground this this week. Um, they have averaged uh, half a percent gains so far this week, um, but the bigger global bank stocks did come off a little bit. So um, a little bit of divergence, but overall there has been a lot of convergence, if, if that makes sense, in that the top quartile global banks, they're up 14% so far this year, and of course our trio here uh, have averaged around 15% returns, and that's what's really helped the benchmark. And um, when you look at the benchmark, as of that lunchtime close today, the year-to-date price gain is is 11%, and that's that's 
that means this is uh, poised. It's not yet, but it's poised to be the strongest start to a calendar year since 2012. So back in 2017, the STI commenced that first quarter uh, with a similar a similar momentum and, and generated a 10.2% gain in the first quarter. Uh, but back in 2012, it was quite strong as well, up 13.8%. So if it can hold above 10.2% between now and the and mid next week, then we, we could be looking at a, a, a very strong, you know, 10-year um, uh, I guess well nine year uh, record in terms of in terms of strength out of the gates and and what's interesting too is like both 2017 and 2012 when we also had those strong stock uh, strong starts you also have seen the STI really outpace the regional benchmarks and we did that for much of the first quarter um, uh, and even more so um, when you look at uh, the FTSE Asia Pacific index we've almost tripled that and look the overarching theme as we've said is that. Um, that eventual normalisation that we're looking to in terms of uh, COVID-19. By, by no means are we out of the woods yet, mm-hmm. but when you look at global cases, it's still around that 124 million that have been recorded. But over the weekend, this coming weekend, we're going to cross that 500 million doses of the vaccine that have been distributed globally. And then as JP was saying, uh, you've got uh, uh, President Biden uh, wanting to double his vaccine goal to 200 million shots with his first 100 days. But at the same time, you've also got Treasury Secretary Yellen also looking at entertaining, uh, allowing banks in the US to, to, to mm. conduct buybacks again, or uh, conduct buybacks and also um, normal, you know, some normalisation to their dividends. So it, it, it's interesting too. I might just, I mean, we, we I do focus a little bit too much on the banks uh, in recent weeks, but if, if, if you do look at a um, bit, Sorry, JP. Across really? across the board, a little bit. Um, there, there's certainly uh, quite a bit of rotation into very um, various diversified Singapore stocks this week. Um, so, so the stocks that have seen the most institutional inflows of 150 million over the past four days, um, they're the likes of of, of uh, Yangtze Jung Shipbuilding, which is up four percent. City Development up three percent. Both OCBC and UOB up six tenths of a percent. Capital Land up 16%, uh, AEM Holdings up 6%, SBH is up 13%, uh, Maple Tree Logistics up 2%, as is um, Maple Tree Industrial Trust and Keppel Reed up 3%. So you've seen inflows across the board into to, to many different sectors, but on the de- on the other side, um, with the institutional outflows, that's that's uh, Jardine Strategic Holdings has taken quite a bit of that with one hundred million and eighty million dollars of net out- outflows, institutional outflows. The, the big story for for the markets has been Jardine Matheson and Capital Land talking about their streamlinings and what they're going to do. Now, it's so complex to somebody like me. Maybe you can explain why is that of such great interest, particularly with Capital Land? Well, Capital Land has had, uh, ever since they acquired Ascender Singbridge, or, uh, Singbridge, and you had that amalgamation, if you will, uh, there's been a very, uh, a very consistent narrative that the company is really looking to uh, tra- transform its business, strategically restructure, um, and and basically become a look at look at becoming a real big global p- player competitively in terms of asset management and real estate companies. Okay, um, that, that that they started off as a developer back in well, when was it November 2020 um, when 
DBS land basically delisted and Capital Land was formed with, um, you know, basically the, those, those two companies, Pedemco Land and DBS Land. And that, and back back then, its goal was to be the largest listed property company in Southeast Asia. Now, the real estate sector in the stock market has evolved immensely over the last 20 years, so much so that real estate now with the big index providers, it has its own sector. It used to be a subset of financial services. Now, real estate is its own sector. And the real estate managers and the real estate developers are very different businesses as well. You know, a real estate um, investment manager has different goals, different objectives. Um, the, the the real estate manager wants to maximise um, operational income, if you will, out of its tenants, while, of course, the real estate developers are generally looking to build or redevelop properties. Uh, and in some instances, they can be very large-scale projects that can span big um, or, or multiple uh, property market cycles. And over years. Exactly. Uh, so, so the management business and the development business can be quite different. Now, putting the development business into a private entity and 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 making the management business the the listed um, entity makes it more asset light, um, and basically uh, can possibly also command more valuations. Because if you do look across the board. Uh, Clarissa, you, you've got generally real estate managers across APAC. They're, they're currently trading at around a 10% discount to their book value, but the developers, they're currently trading at a much more discount, around 25% discount to their book value. So you're getting more valuations with the asset light business, um, and hence there's that restructure. And, and as I said, Capital Land have been very consistent on this. Uh, if, you, if you go to the YouTube channel for Capital Land, you can see their FY20 results presentation. And about 25 minutes into that presentation, the CFO, Andrew Lim, actually goes into uh, you know, basically the, the fund management business of Capital Land being that key pillar um, and the goals of growing the AUM uh, of, the, of, the, of the fund management business. And, and that was, if you will, I guess, did really set the stage for that announcement that we saw this week. All right. So it has been an interesting week this week. We're a few hours away from the end of trading. Next week is a short trading week. And then the following week after that, we've got all these easing of uh, restrictions and what have you. JP, what are we looking forward to next week? Well, I think uh, next week, really, you do have a, uh, if you look internationally, it's going to be another PMI day come April 1st. And uh, you have the likes of the Taishin PMI, for instance, in China coming out, the Eurozone, of course, uh, Singapore's PMI will come the week after that. Other than that, I think things that might be interesting to track are also bank loans and uh, and foreign currency deposits here in uh, Singapore. Now, we do know that the banks have had a better go at it. Jeff's also highlighted that the banks are also, you you know, that the, the outlook at least has been has been you know good enough that they've been allowed at least or it's been entertained that they uh, the possible easing at least of some of these dividend caps or even letting them do share buybacks once again and these bank loans might actually give us a better clue as to just how healthy uh, how healthy the regime is at least with regards to lending because bank lending also is an indicator of how healthy consumer and corporate sentiment is if corporations and and and, uh, and businesses are starting to uh, take out loans once again it means that they're more confident about their standing and perhaps about their outlook and we start to see a bit a slow but steady uptick of these bank loans that actually might uh, bode well for some of these banks of course we'll have to watch out always for their NPL ratios but so far we have seen that these have been managed and many analysts we've spoken to have said that uh, that uh, that while a credit cost might tick up just a little bit for Singapore it's not something that the big three can cannot handle 
All right. Yeah, so. it, yeah it, agreed. Can I, can I just also add sure. that uh, the, we've got the Urban Redevelopment Authority uh, tentative preliminary first quarter 2021 uh, private home price index. And remember, we saw that 2.1% mm. quarter-on-quarter increase in the fourth quarter of last year. So we'll be watching that closely because obviously, uh, you know, you, you, if, if, it's, if it's too high, there could be uh, uh, concern that there might be some property market cooling measures to come in. Uh, and if it's too low, obviously, there, there'll be an economic concern. So we'll be watching, watching that closely. And also overseas, one of these big uh, bills that are coming through is the big infrastructure bill, remember. But the two to four trillion dollar U.S. infrastructure bill, we'll see. Start seeing some. We should start seeing some talk uh, by President Biden on that next week. All right. No, what I wanted to say is um, things could change for us here on Market View Rep as well, because with those easings of restrictions, next week being a public holiday on Friday, the following Friday after that, we may all actually be able to be in the studio together. That would be nice. That would be great. We can talk more about Jardine Strategic then as well because they have their uh, big meeting, I think, on the 12th of April, the big special general meeting, and we can talk through the ramifications and which which uh, stock might go into the STI and so forth if that happens. That sounds like a plan, gentlemen. <laughs> and on that note, this has been Market View Wrap on the Workday Afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by strategic market analyst from the SGX, Jeff Howie. And finance presenter JP on from Primetime. You're on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.